Okay, so we're here for part two of this exciting interview with us four. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I had some good feedback from people from part one and people found it encouraging. Um, so we're going to jump straight in to question three. Um, over to you, Paul. One second, sorry. Sorry. Just getting the Wi-Fi switch on in the front room. Right, there we go. <laughs> Sorry. Go on then. Here's with the next Sorry. question, Paul. Yeah, so the next question was, what's the cost and what's been the blessing of living this way um, and being this way? So um, I think for me, I think initially... The, the cost initially was kind of saying goodbye to um, everything I'd always known, which might, which might, it might sound a little bit romantic, but it was like, I knew when we, God called us out of the church, we were kind of leaving, like pulling our kids out of youth groups, leaving kind of cell groups, meetings, um, corporate worship, which, which we loved you know, um, all of that kind of style of just being, you're often fed into a lot, aren't you? You were around other people who were kind of, mm. you know, full of encouragement and prayer and blessing. You, you know, that fellowship really, when you think about it, is such a powerful thing because it's like you're constantly receiving all the time. And I think the cost was like, firstly, was removing ourselves away from that because, because it was like all of a sudden, there was no one feeding into us. And, 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 and I think it was like, wow, we realized just how devoid of life we actually were. We, we were just so like, what are we, what are we doing? How do we, how do we get life? Which, which, which then I suppose ties into the blessing, which is we were then driven to the, to the word. We were driven to worship by the way we lived. Um, we realized that worship was more than singing songs. It was about obedience. Um, and then understanding that as we went out and we engaged people and reached people, even though, again, that was a cost, the blessing was life. It was like, I think, I think the statement we come up with at the end of that process was, you've got to find something worth dying for so that you can truly live. And then... Um, and so for me, I think the first biggest cost was that it was our family and leaving that family home to start something which we honestly didn't know how it was going to work or what we were going to do. The second biggest cost for me was what I felt as rejection from the church, from, from going to events, um, different events, churches together, things like that speaking the way I was speaking, talking about discipleship, talking about the need for discipleship, true discipleship, talking about the need for the church to be engaged in a lost and just these things that were raw in my heart at the time, um, how it just put a blockage between a lot of people, a lot, especially pastors, especially church leaders. Um, I think they saw, I'm not saying they saw me as a lunatic because I don't, that would be dishonorable to them, but I think they saw me as, um, oh, you're a loose cannon. You're not connected. Which church do you belong to? Which people often ask you, you know, and it's like always oh, this, this kind of you need who's who's your who's your safety net? 
who's making sure you're do you know what I mean? It's always that. Who's making sure you're living right? Who do you belong to? And it's like, well, I belong to Jesus, actually. I follow Jesus, and and, and I don't think that computed in the head. So that that was quite difficult. And then I think when then I started seeing the lost, which is everywhere, and the lack of witness, I then struggled with what's the church actually doing with that. So, so the biggest struggle for me in that time period it was being judgmental and critical and um um all of this stuff which which god revealed in the end just revealed my own pride and my own stuff so so that you know i think that was the second cost was you know seeing seeing that the rejection from the church but the blessing was within that process god kind of turned the mirror on me in the end and revealed my own true nature my own true stuff so i could be healed of that and then actually start seeing the church in partnership, seeing the good the church does, the blessings, the, do you know what I mean? And to see that this is a work we do together, not separate. It's still a struggle. It's still hard, but I'm in a much better place. I don't see the church as kind of not doing the job for God anymore and also as the enemy anymore. I see them as my brothers and sisters and, and, and much more at peace with that. So those for me, I think with the two costs, which was the church body and feeling rejected by it and the cost of losing it and walking away from it. Um, yeah. And uh, the blessings overall, here's what the blessings are. I'm sat here today in my house. We have people sat in our life at different times who, who, who just encounter God for the first time. They don't even know they can pray. They don't know these things. And then God reveals himself to them. I've got five kids. They're not all in, in a church system, so they're not pretending to be Christians and talking the Christian talk. They're living life real. My oldest daughter doesn't want to be a hypocrite, so she's not pretending to be a Christian. She believes. She knows God. She just doesn't love him enough yet to make him Lord, but she's honest enough with that. My other kids love the Lord. They pray. They're all that, but we know where they all are with God. It's very clear, and I'm very thankful for that that we're not living in a little bit of deception. And then the blessing is we're disciples. Me and Stella, as a family, we're disciples of Jesus. And God's using us to just engage people from all over the area with different things. That's the blessing. The blessing is we're seeing life. So, yeah. Go to, go to Nick. No, go to, let's go to Russ, because I don't, I don't want him to get short-timed. Russ, let's go to you. Yeah, um, that's really good, Paul. Yeah. Um, some of those things you're sharing. Um, so, like that, that rejection piece. Just to sort of, add, I guess, pick up on that and maybe add some things to that. Um, I I don't know that, like, for someone like me, if it was always like, like I'm I'm not saying people rejected us, but like. I started out on this journey very excited, very enthusiastic and very clear as well about what we felt the Lord was calling us to do. The Lord was calling us to go, to make disciples amongst people who were far from the Lord and um, really just to press in on biblical discipleship, I guess. And uh, I remember early days sort of going to share that with 
leaders, uh, you know, like a, something like a churches together thing in my area. And people would ask us what we're doing. And you'd start explaining it to them. Very excited, very passionate in biblical terms. It's not, this is not just the next big idea. Um, this is like obedience to Jesus and his word. And people would just glaze over. Yeah. And I'd sit there and think, and then they would just like, then they would just be like, move the, move the conversation on. Like they wouldn't, it wasn't even a conversation around, oh, wow, that's amazing. What's it going to look like to make disciples? Um, I'd talk to, people would ask about our training and I'd start explaining it to them thinking, oh, maybe, maybe this church, these leaders would be interested. And they just glaze over <laughs> and move the conversation on. And just almost this this sort of realization that, oh right, okay, so not everyone's going to grab hold of this. Um, in fact, most people don't want to listen. And I, I guess continually, therefore, just learning not not really that it's rejection, but I guess just realizing, all right, so there's a cost to following Jesus. I'm going to have to die to myself whereas before i guess i was the leading light in the christian community here if we came up with a good idea um you know often people would be like oh wow what an amazing idea and they'd all jump on it and now i was like a nobody and uh, people didn't want to listen i th i think the other thing i found over time was um like like literally I, I guess really like we were part of a local church that we loved being part of that church for all of our adult lives for like 40 years, raised our kids there. Um, and in the end, they drew a line in the sand and basically said like, we don't see you enough. You don't turn up enough. And we're not even sure what you're doing is biblical. So really, unless you guys step across this line in the sand and they didn't actually say that, you therefore won't be part of us but that was the message the message was like really unless you and jan turn up show your face more often and uh stop stop doing some of this stuff and actually bring all the new disciples to us to our church because we're the ones with the resources we know what we're doing um you're not really part of us and you know we had to count the cost of that uh, as well which was that you know not not everyone's going to love what we're doing and like what's what are we called to now and you know in one sense the decision for us was easy it was like we have to go after this thing that Jesus is calling us to there is no way we can back off and therefore to turn up at a church because like that's expected of us that that was never going to work for us. And I don't say that as a, in, in any harsh way about, you know, about that story and what happened to us, but just that, you know, there is a cost to this. I think, I think as well, I felt, I felt early on, like for God just to get me to this place, um, took, took pain in our lives. Um, literally, I think I shared the story last time we were online of just us going through that process of losing our son and all of the grief. And again, I'm not saying God did that 
to get our attention and bring us to this place. But here's the reality. Like, honestly, I don't think I would have landed here without that journey of pain and grief and therefore driving deeper into the Lord. And that sense of, you know, we've lost a lot, so therefore we have nothing else left to lose. We have to jump in and follow Jesus. So felt to me like uh, there was pain in this journey, which just helps us rely on the Lord a whole lot more, really. And, you know, obviously we still feel some of that pain. And it just reminds us, uh, just keep pursuing the Lord, just keep trusting him. So, yeah. And if you want to add anything, Nick. Yeah. Thanks for that. This is, I think uh, the cost, the cost, definitely in terms of like personally and your family, just thinking how much, how much have I been relying on other people and their faith, or how much have I been relying on that incredible worship set? every week or how much I've been re relying on that that message every week and actually is Jesus enough and all of those things get stripped away and then you're like is he is he enough and is he, is he is he there and I think another cost would be like being misunderstood we we were blessed to to be part of this great church in the city and uh, the leadership being for us and certainly talking to other leaders about what we were doing, but still finding being misunderstood elsewhere as well. Uh, you know, things being said that weren't true and all these kind of things that you just got to deal with. And it I really like, it really, it, it kind of forced us, a lot of what we did ended up forcing us back into the word, back into prayer. You know, spent so much time just walking the streets in prayer and just just like giving, giving a lot of that to Jesus instead of being more reactionary with it. Uh, and it, and, it, and lonely, loneliness at times through that misunderstanding, through that maybe slight mistrust now from others about what we're doing we start to feel lonely at times and again who we're we going to go to when we are feeling like that and you know uh so that'd be the bit the, the the cost and the the cost continues i think you know there's this fresh things that have to die and we recognize uh in our lives but i think the blessings has been uh, seeing Jesus even more clearly through in the harvest through people far from God seeing seeing like atheists obeying Jesus and and like <laughs> without yet fully surrendering to him like seeing people get set free from demonic stuff and then feeling like a weirdo because most of the church don't talk about these things and or just pass everything off as mental health and you're the weirdo if you start to bring this stuff up and suggest maybe it could be that and but seeing people come alive in christ neighbors 
people on the streets, you know. And I was thinking yesterday, we, we were meant to be having a baptism at church again yesterday, and I was just reflecting, thinking, that never gets old. It never gets old to, to, to see that person's journey in Christ, and, but to see them kind of going, yeah, I'm, I'm going to obey Jesus and make him my king and get baptised. And I think that would be that would be a lot of the joy and and definitely doing it, doing it with family as well. Like seeing my daughters begin to pray and just share the heart of God in the prayers and or practice sharing the gospel with their friends at school as Suki did a few years ago. And yeah. Just seeing seeing that some of the things that they're saying and and experiencing as we do this as a family, so I think that would be me. What about you, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'll let's start with the blessings and encouragements. <laughs> it's people seeing seeing our own children, our wives, and for us, people all over Somerset and all over everywhere, walking with Jesus. Most of those people weren't even walking with Jesus. Seeing them find life and, and, and growing in that life and seeing those guys, like, becoming the leaders and making more disciples. So... You know, like Paul writes, doesn't he? What's our what's our joy in our crown? It's the people. And you know, that's why in the way we got into it, because we we're like, we're not disciples ourselves, and we don't know how to help everyone, anyone else be disciples. So it's just massively encouraging and what a blessing to think about the people that previously were not we're not god's people and now are god's people um you know and to see how their faith is impacting every area of their lives and how families are being restored back together and relationships are being restored and their whole outlook on life is being transformed um <laughs> but but to see that happen as we're all saying there's like a there's a massive cost and i think there's a cost to being a cost to our marriage and our family life. Um, sometimes not always because of the gospel, just because I've been an idiot or, you know, you're learning because you're doing, you're doing something. There isn't a whole load of other people there who really you can look at to learn from. So there's an element of it. So raw and you're finding your way as you go along and you make mistakes and you need lots of grace in our, marriages and our relationships um but i'd probably say the biggest cost is probably personally being prepared to instead of stepping into situations stepping back um and you know i feel in a way the whole trajectory whole trajectory of being a minister or a leader or a servant of God looks like this. And in a way we've paid the cost of going in the complete opposite direction mm. to sort of try and become nothing really. 
so that other people can become something. And so that makes it very difficult um, to know what's our measures of success or what are we even looking for or how do we know that we're growing? Um, because there's not always this big showy thing that you can, you know, talk about to people. It's just people's lives and it's very quiet happening in homes and family life um so yeah i'd say that's the cost being prepared to become nothing and unknown to make jesus and other people known and other people grow that's good i'd i'd reflect on that as well as like being part of the blessing it just feels like a complete reorientation of our lives mm in in work in ministry in jesus um which i i feel this sort of continual overwhelming sense of privilege just like almost like lord how did this happen <laughs> like like, because if, I mean, if you'd spoken to me 10 years ago and said, Russ, this is what you'll be doing in 10 years time. Like, I'd have been one of those guys who glazed over or pushed back and said, no way. Like, I don't even think some of that's biblical. And now just this privilege that the Lord would be gracious enough to me and kind enough to me to help me see, to help me understand. And I, I have to say that could only be because of him. That's the only thing it could be, because um, I wasn't, I wasn't heading in this direction, and so just that overwhelming sense of privilege, that sense of honour of serving the Lord, um, a great sense of peace, of encouragement in that, in, in the, and and as well, you know, Ben, you're right. Like seeing other people encounter Jesus who had never heard, had never understood, and had never trusted the Lord or walked with him is amazing. But it almost feels like, do you know what? If we never saw any of that, the fact that we just get to obey Jesus feels like an incredible privilege. The fact that we get to go and share the gospel with people far away mm -hmm. And I, know, and I know the completed work is more than that. Like we're believing God for a multiplying movement across Britain that, that pushes the dial on lostness, you know, means we see something like 10% new disciples across our nation. But, you know, just this privilege of going to people and of proclaiming the gospel in obedience to Jesus on days just feels like enough just okay lord we can control that we can obey you we can do that and we can trust you for the rest so that's been amazing like just amazing and for me then just you know that reorientation of what does success look like yes means i don't have to strive anymore yeah i don't have i don't actually have to prove myself to anyone there's some unlearning, isn't there, and, and like undoing yeah. of all of that. And it takes time that I think I thought I'd just be stepping out of leading this church as was 
into this and it would be all like <laughs> seamless, a seamless <laughs> but there's so much like death death to success and what that looks like and how you deal with disappointment and how you deal with when the people you've led to Christ turn on you and it was like oh man <laughs> all those days alone in the harvest in the rain you know <laughs> just praying and just yeah. here we are on our own God teaches you so much about perseverance and yeah. dependence and still learning. And I was that person, oh. Ross, who either glazed over or I, I even actually was in, in the house of some good friends of Ben, Ben's in Chester. And I was that person with Becky saying it's not biblical. <laughs> so I think I just, God just keeps taking me back to that moment in that house how i was mm. i think you shared that story uh in like last time in yeah. part one. Oh yeah it's amazing it's um, yeah um, yeah but reflecting on what sorry carry on Nick. i'm just gonna say i want to be like that couple the, yeah. the graciousness and the love that they had even though i didn't get it and that's mm. that's who i want to be like now for others uh, I think that discouragement thing is like, I know I did something with the guys from Australia last year and they were saying that, um, you know, like God said to Joshua, don't be afraid, you know, I'm with you. And it's like, it's like even, you know, God knows all things, but even then he knew the one thing you'll face more than anything else is discouragement. And again, I think part of that, part of being the wider body is if someone does go missing or someone does walk away from God, you kind of don't feel it. Because there's that many of yeah, it's like it doesn't seem personal. It doesn't seem like oh, it's like the church has invested time in that person, Alpha, and all of that. So the, the sense of discouragement when you wake up and your bank's empty and all, all these different things that go on. Because it's that's the thing we used to say all the time. I would attack, would attack. Like when we were leading a church, Satan's about would attack. Honestly, I think when the moment we stepped out of that into this work, I realised we didn't even know what attack was. <laughs> This is like constant pressure every day, nonstop. Everything you do, every time you turn, it's like all the time. You know, like I think Paul says, done he, you know, hard pressed on every side. And it's like, it's that sense of it. But it's, I remember that passage, God gave me that passage of a month. I was just praying as we were walking about. And he says, and you know, unless the grain of wheat falls to the floor and dies, it can't produce a crop. Yeah. Well, God showed me something. And what he showed me was, there's a couple of things. First thing is like unless. So the unless bit is a decision to let go of what's comfortable. Even you fall to the floor, right? Now that's the next part is hitting the floor. And you hit the floor and you're like, wow, this is hard. This is really difficult, which is like the bit of the rejection, the pain, the loss. But then I felt what God showed me was people build ministries from that position, from the pain and the loss, and they build it. But it's like, but then the rest of the verse says, but it dies and it goes into the ground. Well, it dies. Then it builds a crop and something that develops fruit. And what I felt God said to me was, a lot of people hit the ground and, man, that's hurt. And they build from there. But what he says is, no, you've actually got to disappear first. Once you actually stop existing and you're no longer visible, then I can do something out of your life. And he was like, all right, yeah, I get it. 
And that, that's the point then. We have to disappear. Everything, ego, selfishness, right. all of it, all of it. And it's like, you know, unless a grain of wheat does that, it can't do anything. That, that is the cost. It's death, dying to self, isn't it? It's yeah. huge, but it's like you said, you think you've got it, and then you're like, oh, not keep going. So I think I just, it's really encouraging. I just don't know whether we actually get to reappear. That's the cost. Yeah, I don't think we do, brother. <laughs> get other, peop- other people appear. That, I think that's the point, isn't it? You know? Yeah. But mm, thankfully, but, yeah. they've then got to do that process themselves. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> that, that seed never reappears. No, does it? Done. We're done. No turn white for us. <laughs> I love what uh, Count is it Count Zinzendorf, Nicholas Zinzendorf says, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Yeah. It's that mm. kind of, even though he's not been forgotten himself. <laughs> but <laughs> that's kind of the attitude, isn't it? It's like, it's not about us. It's not about our vision. It's not about all those fancy things that we like to make it. Just obedience, mate, isn't it? Yeah. I think that passage, you know that passage where Jesus said, uh, you know, when the servant's in the field and he comes in, you think the master says, oh, there you go, mate, well done, put your feet up. Like, does he heck? He says, right, you've done a word, now get my tea on. And then when you've done my tea, <laughs> then you can eat. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's it. We're literally servants, just like, it's like, oh, yeah, we've done all right. We need a break for a week. No, you don't, mate. <laughs> get praying. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's encouraging but I think as well you you get to that point where you realise we can't do anything don't we you, we're about, you know, all these strategies all these plans and then it's like we can't do anything we're just we're totally helpless here we're totally dependent here mm. you know even this week being at my brother's allotment see, we've seen this like patch of wheat growing we've not even planted it it's like wow like God, God, God can just do it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even need us, does he? he does, it's not like he's, oh, I need Nick. He doesn't need me. Mm. Uh, but it is that joy, like Russell was saying, that joy of being with him and, and, and obeying him and mm. feeling his pleasure as you do what he's called you to do. I think that's that's an incredible blessing. And then what happens, happens. It's like... There's no pressure. I always find, I say to people, there's no pressure because I see people going through that that pressure stage where it's like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And it's like, well, there's no pressure. We just just pray, stay close to Jesus, share the gospel, stay close to the people that respond. There's no pressure, like we can't make anything happen. At that stage, it's, it's so liberating, I find. But yeah. it takes you through that journey. Yeah. Well, and mm. as, as well, just learning about principles of multiplication and movement. You know, what our tendency in the West is to then think, you know, we're learning these things from our brothers and sisters in the East often, if we have enough humility, of course. Um, but then obviously with our Western minds, we want to systematize that and organize that and you know switch systems yeah but but actually like none of that's 
none of that is really what it's all about. It's like, could we die to ourselves? Stay close to Jesus. Just obey him simply. Um, yes, with perseverance. You know, just keep dying. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep pressing on. Lord, would you raise up new disciples? Lord, would you multiply new churches? Mm. Lord, would you in that work raise up leaders who know how to do this who go way beyond anything we could ever do mm. and that's you know that's an incredible thing so it's like movement and multiplication it's not the next big thing like it's going to cost to pursue this yeah. and it's not success like we're going to have to fight we're going to have to contend for the gospel and die to ourselves so Jesus gets the glory. Yeah. Amen. Nick, do you want to ask the uh, fourth question? Yeah, my question is, based on uh, what Jesus has been doing with us and the journey <laughs> we've been on, and even touching into some of the things that Russ was just saying about learning from brothers and sisters in the East, what are some of the blind spots potentially that we have or could have as we uh, pursue making disciples, multiplying disciples and churches here in the UK. Because I think it's, it's, it's great when people from another nation come and see what you're doing. And it's great when you step into another nation and see the work there, because you get that sharpening and you get that insight. But, what are some of the things that we may have? Uh, who wants to go first on that one? <laughs> go, to, go to Russ for time, brother. Russ. I think, um, well, the, uh, um, there's so many ways of, I guess, thinking about that question. So if we think about ourselves, um, so I often say say this to people: if if you listen to people like us, you can pick up. And again, because typically in a room we we could be quite passionate, focused individuals as well, uh, in the way that we describe this work and the thing that Jesus is calling us to. And it's like once you've seen it from the Word and the Spirit, like honestly, there's no going back. Yeah, there is like honestly, I couldn't return yeah. to leadership in the way that I used to function. So there's no going back. But what that can often sound like is that we've got it right, and therefore, yeah, because this is the the new thing, the new way to do everything, mm. um, and therefore the implication is everybody else has it wrong. And I have to continually check myself on that. You know, my own pride, my own arrogance that would suggest that what I'm doing is right and therefore what other people are doing is wrong. Um, and, I, and I know I have to sort of just try. Well, blind spots are by def definition the things we don't see. But I guess I've begun to see that I could I could easily be like that and 
imply that you know the existing church the church that is already established that we came from isn't going to survive um and i'm i'm not sure because i you know this is this is jesus's body this is his church they are his people um Yes, some of what has been built will just be burnt up and disappear. But what what will be left are those who remain faithful to the Lord. And I think it would be crazy of us to ever suggest that you know that the the presently established church won't be part of this move of God, this multiplying movement across the UK to the ends of the earth. And, you know, I, I would, I would love to see like every church in my town, every believer in every church in my town raised up as a generous seed. So mm. I would love to see people in the churches around here beginning to plant either new groups of disciples of brand new disciples or brand new churches. Um, as well as seeing the existing church become fruitful and healthy and strong again. Um, I, I would love to see the existing church flourish and grow in incredible ways, whilst also champion and lead into new fields mm -hmm. with gospel seed and seeing new works established in new fields. I'd love to see that. So. I, I think for me, I'm always aware, listening to us, you could easily think like we've written off perhaps the churches we came from. But honestly, in my heart, I think that would be wrong uh, and a real, a real blind spot, yeah. Anyone else? Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to just dip out in a moment, guys, but great to be with you. Thank you, bro. And I want to add to that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I agree with it. And uh, I think, I think a blind, I think a blind spot kind of. And again, I think it couples with the other thing because initially the church rejects what you're doing. What Satan can do there is bring division, and then and then you reject the church in the return process. And it's like, so I think actually it is a blind spot is that we overcome that and we we love we act out one Corinthians thirteen and. We always believe, always hope, always persevering. I think that's my mindset. Even if every building was filled with people, you'd still need a lot more buildings. So it's not that's not the issue. The issue is people actually going out to reach people. I think the blind spot, I think the biggest blind spot I've come across currently is, is again, a lot of... Uh, I just want to say another thing first, which is... A massive encouragement in this work is talking to people like this because you very rarely get to meet other people like you, speaking like you do. So if anyone that is thinking of getting into this work, I just encourage you to just touch base with someone on this screen because it helps a massive amount. Yeah. All of these guys on the screen have like proper, proper helped me in the last few years, like in different ways, different times, but massively. So I just want to put that out there. Um, in terms of blind spots, a lot of, like, we could we could look at Turkey now, couldn't we? We could look at 
Iran, we could look at India, we could look at Africa, we could look at lots of these different nations and see this massive, how it just works like a picture. You know, you reach someone, you teach them, they multiply, it's so perfect. But it's like, I heard a statement the other day saying that it seems to a lot of these other workers, they might have thousands of churches, but it doesn't seem that deep. It seems a little bit shallow. But what you think then is like, right, we need to reproduce that here in the West. But anyone I've spoken to in the West have exactly the same problem we have in the UK, which is it's not transitioning like it is in those different nations. And I think I think the blind spot here is is not understanding that we don't have the same type of cultures and stuff as they have in those nations. And I think for us, it's like we have to be happy with one's here and two's there and like that growth that way, as opposed to kind of finding a village and a tribe. You know, it, it can still happen. Families can still open up. Networks can still open up. But I think sometimes it's like, you know, it's like going out there with the belief that you're just going to see the whole estate saved and drumming every estate. But I think it's like the blind spot is, is, is not understanding that it takes, it's kind of a slower process than we think. And yeah. another, another thing I think I saw in terms of blind spot was trying to reproduce what happened in the Eastern stuff. Like it has to be just groups where I think people in the West need that collective gathering as well. It's important to them. And, and because they don't have those villages, those cultures, those tribes, for me, I think when we grow enough, I will be gathering people together every few weeks and just to have that sense of belonging, just to bring that kind of worship in corporate and prayer. And um, so I think I think for me, a blind spot is like, I think we could, we could kind of use both in the West, a bit of corporate stuff as in gatherings, but then a lot more acceptance of maybe it might be one, twos and threes instead of, eight, nines, and tens in terms of grouping. So, yeah, that would be it for me, I think. Yeah, that's good. Just just thinking it's a one-size-fits-all for every place and every, yeah, every culture. Like, it looks like this in India, so it's got to look like that here, yeah, without yeah. recognising the context that the kingdom is being established in here. That's really good. Ben, anything else to add that we've not already shared? Uh, I think, um, I mean, I've <laughs> got a long list of personal blind spots. Things like it's more important to abide in Jesus than be doing things for Jesus. Yeah. You know, my marriage is more important than my ministry. My kids are more important than the person down the road who we're trying to, you know, disciple. Um. But, you know, they're kind of ongoing <laughs> husband and father issues. But I yeah. think um, some things I've struggled through or I'm still struggling through is um, it's more about loving people than training them. I've learned that through painful experience where I probably thought, if I threw some tools or a way of meeting together at some people, suddenly they would get it and we'd have a movement in Somerset. And really we ended up with a few people who might know in their head what to do, but in their hearts, they didn't really understand the whole area that God loves them and how to express that love to others. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was a big blind spot for me. 
Um, another blind spot is probably perseverance is more important than getting it right or having a model or a way of doing things. So it seems to be, you know, the longer you go, the more dead you get and the more encouragement you see. And when you sort of reflect on how did that fruit grow or how did that encouraging situation happen? And you're left scratching your head thinking, I don't really know. That was God. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe another blind spot is um, the work we're talking about is not evangelism. Mm. I think this is a massive blind spot, actually. Yeah. I was I was in that place where I thought I would I would use words like disciple making movement or multiplication, but what I was really doing was just going around doing evangelism. Now that might have been a necessary season we're in, but actually the blind spot is in the Bible, Jesus said, when you find a house of peace, you stop, you stop, and then you stay with them. So just being able to stop when you find households of peace is a big blind spot because we can get stuck in doing things for the sake of doing things and forgetting what the purpose of the thing is. And then I think probably at the moment, a blind spot I'm wrestling through is the whole area of understanding the body of Christ and that I only see a small part yet I think the small part I see is the whole part. And what do you mean? Well, so I have a certain outlook on life that's based on my character and my gifting and the kind of person I am. Yeah. And the things I see, I'm really passionate about, but it tends to make me feel like people who don't talk like me or act like me or seem as passionate as me who are different to me if i'm being honest i tend to make a judgment that they're either wrong or they don't get it or they don't want to do it (laughs) when actually they could they they're seeing another part or they have another kind of gifting so in somerset my blind spot is i'm trying to um honor and like pour honor onto the things that i think is less important and so, you know, we're having people in the movement who are gifted as pastors and teachers, for someone like me and my gifting, that's a big blind spot. Mm. Because I can easily think, unless they're going to every town and village and preaching and baptizing people every day, I can slip into thinking they're not really passionate about Jesus and they don't get it. When actually what they're doing is equally as important because they're quietly caring for people, um, helping people walk for a process. So I think for people like us, we're wanting to see movements. We need to understand how the fivefold ministry um, operates and works within a, within a movement like what we're talking about. Mm. That's good. So what would you say your blind spot is then, brother? No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Uh, pride. <laughs> Let's be honest. Pride. That's the that's the blind spot. So yeah, yeah. I agree with that. You know, and I think as well, you know, 
um, thinking that it's based on us and not God's grace. You know, like you read in um, in Acts, it says Paul and Barnabas, I think it was, you know, they were entrusted into God's grace. So their whole their whole motivation and reason why and the way they did everything was in God's grace. Yeah. And I just think, wow, I just I can't say that of myself a lot of the time. A lot of it is drivenness or frustration or enthusiasm. Mm. But when it's God's grace, no wonder in the Bible they saw loads of things happening. And no wonder when we get to the end of ourselves and learn to rely on God's grace, we start to see things happening. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. See, off the back of today, I'm literally going to get off this call and get my Bible. I'm going to lie on the sun lounger, wherever it is, and I'm literally just going to spend all day reading my Bible. <laughs> I'm not going to ring anyone. I'm not going to call anyone. I'm not going to be stressing and chasing because I think, again, it's that exactly what you're saying there. It's that blind spot of I need to do, 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 do. But mm. actually, I think the, the only thing I need to be doing is staying as close to God as I can. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, that That's it. It's like, I'm just, I don't know what yours, I won't. Anyway, sorry, brother. Nick, so yeah, I don't know what you were going to say. So, well, similar really to what's been shared, I think uh, you can subtly get into a tick box exercise mm. and make this about what we do instead of who we are, like, and compartmentalize the work mm. instead of just living like the way of Jesus mm. to live it. And so, uh, Another blind spot might be uh, maybe the professional, you know, are we professionalizing this? You know, are people coming up seeing that they can participate in this work mm. wherever they are and whatever they're doing in, in, in you know, whatever God's called them to in their, in their profession? Mm. Or, or do people feel like they can only do this if they step away from a career or step away mm. from a role you know that could be a blind spot mm. uh, and and yeah how are we helping those new disciples to uh, work with their hands and, and craft a living that will uh, fuel the movement and, and money won't be an issue to cause any potential movement to crash because his dependence is created, you know what I mean? I think that could be a blind spot. Uh, and then I guess maybe around language, how we communicate, and how, uh, do we have an inside language that's only, you know, that only we understand? Uh, well, like, jar like jargon and stuff like jar that. Yeah, jargon. We've yeah. swapped one lot of Christianese for yeah. another, maybe. Uh, and I get it, and I understand why we do what we do, but is it, yeah, is, is, is it going to, mm. is it going to withhold things from people, withhold the kingdom potentially from people? Mm. There would be a few that I've considered. Yeah. It's like that, it's, it's like that, um, I'm just thinking when I started walking out the other year and I just all I did was literally have the Bible, reading it. What does it say? What shall I do? And I, what we do is we kind of add stuff in 
because like one of the things I've got on my mind sometimes is like, oh, especially what Kane and Noel's coming up now is it's like, oh, right, how do I help these become leaders? How do I help this? And it's like, now I've got to remind myself, not even baptize yet. You're not even, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, how helping a pursue becoming a disciple? Like this week is the first week he's faced a bit of pushback. Like, you know what I mean? A bit of like stuff going on and it's, I'm like, oh yeah, he's brand new. And it, and, and it is like, sometimes you can speak a massive vision over people because it overwhelmed me a little bit at the beginning. I remember when we did the training and, uh, you know, like the four fields training, it's like, what's your vision? And then what's, you know, and then they start, they start speaking to you about thousands of people and you're like, hold on a minute. Like, this is like, I just need to take a little bite or something. And it's funny because all the conversations we had, when all said and done, I remember when we were in Texas and you were saying about that guy who walked the areas and you had, and Ben, the same thing. You all said the same thing. Wherever you went and walked initially praying, that's where fruits appeared in different parts. Mm. That's what we're seeing here now is all of a sudden in Winniebanks. There's a lady from there in Emleton, there's stuff there. And it's like, yeah, I think I think exactly what you're saying is that it's just take it right back to basics. Walk, pray, obey. Walk, pray, obey, read. Mm. Like if we can just teach them that, read, pray, obey. And God can essentially do the rest, can't he? It's like, are we raising up leaders or is that God's job? Mm. Do you know what I mean? He, mm. he exalts the humble, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. So there's a little bit of like, maybe there is a bit of professionalism about it kind of that can sneak in somewhere. And the, the pace of it as well, like recognizing what you were saying, Ben, the, the pace of the work, because we were, so, I don't know about you, but we were so confronted and so just had our eyes, we were seeing the lost. So there's like this intensity of, oh man, there's lostness everywhere. So we're in this like pace of getting the gospel out to everyone, but we'd find the homes, we'd find homes of peace. And we'd, we'd enter into homes and then we learned this the hard way. Like we were still in that mindset of pace. <laughs> and so we'd come into a home and, and almost like we'd give, we'd give big vision and, but there'd be a lot of challenge and, and we needed to remember to slow down. So we, we always say like, we're, we're going at the pace of an apostle or an evangelist in the harvest. But when we get into the home, we've got to go at the pace of a shepherd teaching mm. and it's like oh man we 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 we, we stuffed up so much by mm. not slowing down not or not even stopping like you saying stop mm. you know i i even think of last week this happened we were in a neighborhood where we've got this house of peace and uh, we weren't meeting there but so we just wandered the streets looking for other people and we're just engaging with these three guys, just chatting. They think I'm police, the usual. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it was only afterwards I was like, why did I walk off? Why yeah. I walk off? We'd, we'd, you know, we'd prayed for one of the guys. We'd, we'd shared a little bit. Why did I walk away? Why, did, why didn't I just stay and, and chat some more and see what happened? Why was I, you know what I mean? Mm. So still learning a lot of that all the time about pace, pace. That's really good, that. That's really good. That kind of ties onto that little evangelism bit kind of thing, doesn't it? It's like what you're actually going out for. Exactly. That's really good. 
I think like we used to um we used to and I guess probably still do we measure the wrong thing it's like we're, we're measuring and taking pride in our activity like how many how many people did we share the gospel with how many doors did we knock on how many people did we pray for how many people seemed open when Jesus sent his disciples out to measure one thing find a household of peace and stay with them yeah and it's like you know i think it's part of the journey that you learn about sowing the gospel generously healing the sick and what but at some point you have to sort of get to the point of thinking you know god can just lead you directly to you know like ananias so you know go to that house there there's a guy there called paul put your hands on him and yeah. he'll basically write the whole of the rest of the bible <laughs> so you know it's not a it's not a human methodology or a human activity or by our actions it's obeying the scripture and the holy spirit so would you say a blind spot then is not abiding in christ enough in the yeah. sense of what i mean by that is last year all the connections I've, we've had in the last six months have essentially come from that from god mm. god's just done some connected stuff so I'm in the middle of, I'm in my front room praying. And I've started this practice of like saying, right, God, I'm just be quiet for five minutes. Tell me what you want to say kind of thing. Mm. And he put this guy on my heart, um, a gay couple at our school. And then, um, so I went and approached him, offered to pray for him. He didn't seem like he needed prayer. But then two months later, their whole life was a mess. Like they're into all sorts, you know, a lot of attraction, different stuff. But they've adopted two kids, got a little family, and and it was like there's now a relationship when we've prayed with them. God's blessed them with this job they wanted, the wages they wanted. We've had them around for tea. We've I, I, I was I was messaging when I was at yours, Ben. Remember? Yeah. I remember when you'd said just ask him to pray for him. Like what the hell are you talking about? You can't do that. And he's like because like this guy's praying with his spiritualist friends, and Ben's like, yeah, man, just ask him to pray for him. I'm like, what <laughs> like I can't do that. But it's like. Actually, that, that was a significant thing that opened stuff, but it, it was like that that came from a place of just abiding and asking God, like, what shall I do? What do you want me to do? What do you want to say? And it was like, you know. Mm. It's, I guess it's like thinking about do, where's, where's the power lie? Do we have all the power and we're coming? Mm. Or are we going in humility and looking for what we need? Yeah. Community, because the power's in. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. power dynamic. Isn't it? Are we coming in to save? Are we like the ones that've got it all sorted? Are we going to come? Yeah. Humility, looking for those people and places that God's already at work in, and yeah, it's going to come in, come in and join. His yeah. Work. Yeah. We had some. We had some people visiting Somerset last week. They they said they wanted to experience Mission Somerset life. So I'm never, I'm never really sure like what people mean when they say that. <laughs> I mean, what do they want to experience? The days where you're pulling your hair out on your knees thinking, <laughs> what the heck are we doing? Or, you know, the occasional amazing days where households come to faith or the slow days of, you know, helping people obey Jesus. But the whole time we were kind of, uh, it was interesting, actually. I really was on my heart, the whole story of Peter and Cornelius. 
And so one of my blind spots was I wanted to read this story at the start. Right. And actually what we ended up doing was just living it. And then at the end of the three days, literally before people went home, we actually read it. And so we'd seen that played out. And what's interesting is when I read that story, I think I need to pray a whole lot more. Because unless we find people that God is appearing to or calling or people that are already praying and obeying God, like Cornelius was before the Christian even turned up, unless we find those people, we're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. And so I think the more you go along, the more you get excited about seeing God's power at work in people. And really being able to recognize that someone made an interesting observation. How many times did God have to speak to Cornelius before he obeyed? Once. <laughs> Once. How many times did God have to speak to Peter? Trouble. Three times. He still didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a blind spot for all of us. You know, to see God's grace at work in other people is challenging yeah when you think of that as well Cornelius was a gentile humble poor in spirit essentially mm. Peter had it all figured out yeah got his religious stuff it's like his training he's, he's had three years with Jesus on the field he's, <laughs> he's been restored and he's like he's back in position and it's like <laughs> you know when you do the creation of Christ you know the, the story set creation of Christ have you ever done that well we, we've we've done it and every single, after about a second story, about the next 10, the same lesson comes out over and over and over from all of them, Noah, Abraham, all of them. The one key thing is obedience. They just obey whatever God says. And it's like, Jesus said, didn't he? He's got up early to pray. And they said, come, there's loads of people. He said, no, we've got to go somewhere else. Mm. It's like Jesus, God's, that interaction with them too on a morning, dictated his day it was like he knew where he was going he, he chose the disciples it was like he lived that pattern didn't he of mm. following that path and it's like we can get up with kids and all that stuff going on it's all chaos and then you kind of come home and you're like right let's get out and it's like yeah I've, I, you know i think i think from this i need to be okay with saying I need to just stop for an hour or two and just pray and read mm. and be all right with that. Because mm. sometimes the, the other thing is you can feel like you're being lazy and you can feel like I should be out working. I can't justify not doing anything. Mm. And it's like, now this is so important because the flip side of what you've just said, Ben, is that you find a lot of people who they're in the crowd mm. of Jesus, but the, it's just a lot of effort and work. And you're doing stuff, aren't you? And you're praying for them and God's answering and stuff. Mm. And there's wonderful things happen. But they're not not—they're not ready to commit. They're not ready to sit down and read the stories. Or look. They're just not there. And it's like, but you're spending loads of effort and attention seeing them, meeting them. And it's like, actually, if we could just leave them for five weeks and be okay with that mm. and then go back when God says, there might be a different season completely. Mm. And, and maybe there is a thing in that is just, you know, Keep going then. Find that person, what you're talking about, the one who's actually open, ready. You know, I love Jesus. I love God. Or, yeah. you know, there's a great, 
I'm really encouraged by this for this. Uh, yeah, for this next season, I think just to take this into practice because I've been I've been caught up in the other side. I'm just I need to get out. I need to do this. I need like exactly what Nick's just said. I need to go there. I need to be. I need to get out. And it's like no. What I need to do now is just humble myself. Mm. Back into my word, back into prayer, get my own life in order. Then just God knows I'm here. He knows he can send me. He knows I'm available. Where do you want me to go next? And just follow that. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting blind spot, another blind spot, maybe before we wrap up, is um so much of our strategy and our thoughts is reliant on our presence with people. I love to sort of when, if we have people or we have a team or anything and, you know, we've planted a church or some people have been baptised, I love the next morning to be like, right, you know, what, what, what's the next thing? What's God saying to do? Because so, mm. so often it's like, we need to go back. We need to train this bit. When actually, according to scripture, that's not necessarily what, what Jesus taught his disciples or we see in the New Testament. There's something about being able to see things happen that's not dependent on us yeah which i think is another massive blind spot trusting the holy spirit in a new believer yeah yeah that's a big one yeah <laughs> that's a big one <laughs> if you can end up into that doing everything yeah. in the home instead of just like and i guess it's part of that dying as well dying mm. off the ground and dying it's like okay like you pray like you lay on hands you do that you know yeah hope you got you have the holy spirit in you mm. same one as me mm. yeah it's good mm. it's not easy though no <laughs> no no well should we um should we pray yeah yeah and i think paul you said a good point you know if people are listening and they something any of us have said to stand out just re reach out to one of us or all of us and we'd be happy to share what we've learned for our mistakes with you so yeah yeah god i just want to um i just want to first of all just be thankful thankful for my salvation Thankful God that um, you saw me, you sent people to me, and you, God, you helped me to change. And just as Nick said, you gave me the Holy Spirit that God took me on a journey and He changed me from the inside out. He taught me right from wrong. And God, I just want to kind of lay down all of my plans and ideas and just go back to what you spoke to us last year that unless you build this house, we just labor. In vanity it's a waste of time so I just give you the control back over this work you're doing in our lives around us and I ask God for you to just bless us I pray you'd speak to us with visions and dreams like you've given to the guys I pray you'd send dreams and visions into our movement into our people mm. pray Holy Spirit for all the people you've gathered around us and also Lord I just pray for Russ and Ben and Nick and the things you've got building with them and through them that God, you just help them to solidify it. We just prayed for solid foundations that you can build on. And lastly, God, I just pray for anyone who might be struggling in church. 
feeling the call of God to come out, but afraid of what that looks like. Afraid and feeling like they're feeling guilty because they feel like they're, they're, they're kind of being um, sneaky and sly. It's, it's a weird, strange time and feeling when you're, when you're calling people out. And I just pray you send them encouragement. And I pray for the church. Just pray for the church body, our brothers and sisters. And I just pray that God leaders would start acknowledging the fact that they need to just release the body and be okay with that and not be afraid. Thank you, Jesus, for this nation. Mm. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Mm. And Father, we thank you that (laughs) you're always very patiently showing us that your power works best in weakness. And we thank you that your grace is displayed when we often feel at our most weakest point. And we pray that you will help us to rejoice in our weakness and to boast in our weakness and to understand what that means. Mm. So that, God, you can be seen in our lives, in our families, in the things that we're doing in your name and in our nation. And, Father, we pray that there will be encouragement for people listening, that in in their weakness, just like with us, God, you display your strength. Mm. And there's so many blind spots, so many challenges at every step of the way. But thank you. That's also the encouragement because that is actually what helps us to be a genuine follower of you, mm. not someone who's going through the motions. So, mm. Father, show us these, show us the things in our lives that that keep us from walking with you closely. Mm and that keep us from equipping other people to walk with you closely. Mm. And um, yeah, we pray that you will be glorified in the UK through people that previously were not your people, but now are your people Mm. that you would make your home. You would make your home with people that right now are lost and broken and seem far from you. Mm. And that you would, you would cause a big movement of your people towards people that don't know you and that you would help us to see your kingdom coming in homes and cafes and workplaces and that through love this work would be built up and that new leaders and servants would be appointed from amongst what you're doing and Jesus, we pray that you will become greater and we'll become less. Amen. Amen. God, we recognise that apart from you, we can do nothing. And you simply ask us to remain, abide, remain in you. So help us to do that. Help everything we do be from that position of abiding and remaining in you thank you that you're the one that brings the growth you're the one that brings the life it's nothing by our own effort and works it's by your spirit by your power and help us just humbly walk with you and give us the courage to obey you in every moment of our days and we pray for those that were discipling and that we're 
see him come alive to you more and more we just pray you'd help us to take the steps back and to, to help them to be raised up Lord and uh, thank you for the wheat in the field which is unexpected thank you that it's just a sign of your grace and we, we pray even today for yeah. fruit and harvest where we've not even sown Lord Jesus uh, because of your goodness and kindness we just pray for the church at large in the UK God that we would stay faithful to you that we keep our eyes fixed on you and not be swayed by other things other talking points other, other strategies other things God that the church would just be fully surrendered to you to your vision to your glory Jesus and yeah let everything we do be done in love let's build one another up and spur one another on until the day when you return and let us be found not with uh, no oil in our lamps but ready to meet with you Jesus that day is approaching Lord and uh, yeah I just pray that for the UK God that it would be ready the church would be ready and, and you get the, the glory of a great harvest in this nation in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Right, thanks guys. Thanks, mate. And um I'll take you in that. Talk again soon. Yeah, bless yeah. you. See you later. Stop recording, bro. Before you shut the car off. Oh, hang on.